Time to check in with the First Nations Wild Salmon Alliance. According to their website, the Discovery Islands and its unique tidal behaviors are a choke, choke point for 90% of out-migrating juvenile salmon of the Fraser River salmon stocks. With successive historic low returns and last year's runs returning at 50% less than projected, many believe the downward spiral to extinction is underway. Here to tell us more about why he thinks and his organization thinks the minister should should apply the precautionary principle at this point is the chair of the First Nations Wild Salmon Alliance. A pleasure to say good morning and welcome back to Bob Chamberlain. Morning, Bob. Hey, good morning, Sterling. Thanks for having me back. Well, good to have you with us. I should mention, Bob, that when you and I do our conversations, I occasionally get emails from people going, well, you know, the the, the fish farming people are underrepresented in this uh, presentation you've made. I should also mention that every time we've invited the fish farming people to join us on this program, they have declined. So what is the precautionary principle? What does Minister Joyce Murray of British Columbia have in her toolkit to use at this point? Well, it says quite specifically the precautionary principle recognizes that in the absence of scientific certainty, conservation measures can and should be taken when there is knowledge of a risk of serious or irreversible harm to the environment and or resource using best available information. And of course, you may recognize that kind of language as in the Cohen Commission, it's quite clear that Justice Cohen stated I therefore conclude that the potential harm posed by salmon farms to Fraser River sockeye salmon is a serious or irreversible threat. So let's talk about the the science that is being used uh, currently, because uh, this is this is one of the it became a court case, as a matter of fact, or part of a court case a year or so ago. Uh, you say industry is heavily represented in the science determination process. That's also on the website. What does that mean? Well, the the DFO has nine science risk assessments that they stand on now that states there's less than minimal harm or risk. And this was released in September of 2020. Now, what produced those science risk assessments was the Canadian Science Advisory Secretariat, CSAS. And when you look at the construct of the people that are doing the risk assessments, Industry is involved, uh, stakeholders, uh, their salmon farming associations, and of course DFO that has a mandate to advance and expand this industry. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that, you know, from a First Nation perspective, this lacks any kind of credibility whatsoever. It doesn't meet even the most base description of a conflict of interest. And so this is being set aside, and then First Nations are embracing work from the Pacific Salmon Foundation, uh, University of British Columbia, and a whole mountain of science from the international community. And of course, now we have two opposing perspectives, which definitely sets the table for the implementation of the precautionary principle. Right, but the person uh, between those two uh, definitely varied points of view. The person in the middle of that is the minister, Joyce Murray of Vancouver. I continue to emphasize this is a minister from British Columbia. This is happening right in her backyard. You and a group of the First Nations Wild Salmon Alliance had a meeting with Minister Murray less than two months ago. Did this mention of the invocation of the precautionary principle come up in that meeting? Well, the First Nations that attended, there was over 40 uh, First Nation chiefs represented there. And they've been very clear about the need for food security, which is a, a big component from on this topic. Um, 
in relationship to implementing the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, which is a government commitment. But the, the need to enact the precautionary principle has clearly been stated. And this past week, the uh, minister met with First Nations in Chilliwack as well as up in Kamloops. And I was able to attend the meeting in Kamloops and to hear her, uh, the minister recognize that the salmon runs are in worse shape now by a long shot and the critical importance to First Nations and British Columbians. And so she did mention the precautionary principle as, as part of uh, the Fisheries Act, of course, and talked about the Pacific Stra- Strategic Salmon Initiative to rebuild and to protect salmon. So I think that she is hearing the concerns. Right. And I'm really grateful that she is the first DFO minister on this topic that's fulsomely uh, embracing Supreme Court law by consulting with First Nations of the Interior. If uh, the minister uh, invokes the precautionary principle, what would happen? The precautionary principle would see these fish farms no longer operate, in my opinion, because of the, the science. And, of course, when I say that there's inconclusive science, that doesn't mean I don't agree with the international body or the work of the Pacific Salmon Foundation. But to, to make the decision now to enact every possible protection and safeguard to wild salmon is what is necessary. And I think of uh, Dr. Andrew Bateman from the Pacific Salmon Foundation and his testimony this past spring at the Standing uh, Committee on Fisheries and Oceans. And he categorically ripped apart the CSAS process and the fact that it denies uh, embracing emerging science that is contrary to the initial outcome. And so this is very problematic because it looks good on paper, but when they action uh, what the process is supposed to be fair and transparent, they outright reject stuff that doesn't embrace the industry. So uh, now, as if the precautionary principle rather is invoked, uh, what fish farm licenses would not be renewed? Are we talking specifically about the Discovery Islands, which I began our conversation with, or are you expanding this to be, to all fish farms? We need to recognize the true state of salmon runs of the Fraser River. You know, as you mentioned in the opening in your opening remarks, that we've had historic low returns. Mm-hmm. We've had fifty percent less show up than projected this past year. So when we look at that, that means we are now on a downward spiral because now we're going to have even less returns over the next three years. And so this is where we we must consider, or the minister must consider, the critical importance of Discovery Islands. Uh, to Fraser River salmon of all species. And right now they're all empty. They're, uh, her, she's making a decision very soon. And she's heard from First Nations from the mouth of the Fraser well up to Williams Lake now, very clearly calling for the non or supporting the previous minister's decision, not renewing those licenses and let that be uh, the DFO's participation in the transition because the provincial government tenure system and policy has seen she shall nation of Sunshine Coast removed farms and of course the Broughton Archipelago LOU that removes farms as well. So then we have to turn our attention to the northernest most part of of Vancouver Island, Johnstone Straits, and see those removals so we can have clear paths for the truly endangered runs of the Fraser River. Interesting stuff. So now you're also uh, inviting all British Columbians to get involved in this process and maybe apply a little pressure to the minister specifically, right? Well, I think what we need to see is it's not, I mean, this issue is not solely a First Nation issue. I mean, there's a 
uh, a place because of the Constitution and Supreme Court law, of course, fundamental pieces to democracy that puts First Nations at a different table. But the thing is, British Columbians writ large and all manner of industries are supported by healthy and abundant wild salmon stocks. So if British Columbians that have a concern and hope for the best in, in terms of decision-making on uh, the fish farm transition, I encourage everyone to send an email to the minister stating support for the government's commitment and support for her to be able to make the right decision that's going to protect wild salmon for all British Columbians and the environment, of course. Okay, Bob Chamberlain, thanks for this. I uh, appreciate the update. And uh, obviously, this is, uh, is there a timeline attached to this? If, if, if someone listening says, well, okay, I can send an email to the minister, no big deal. Uh, is there a deadline you're dealing with? Well, we know that the minister's initial announcement in June was that the decision for Discovery Islands was going to be coming this month in January. So in terms of the critical need to remove the Discovery Islands fish farms, I encourage everyone to click their mouse right now and send an email to the minister. But by June 2023 is when the larger transition plan is going to be released. Right. And so during this time, I really do hope anyone and everyone that's caught a salmon that has a tradition around that with their family and their friends, just make sure the minister knows that she is supported in terms of the primary objective of DFO, which is the protection of wild salmon and other wild fisheries and the environment. Bob Chamberlain, Chair of the First Nations Wild Salmon Alliance. Always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for this. Thank you. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.